Thanks for joining us for the special Mid-East Prophecy Edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. shares the Mid-East Prophecy Update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. Pastor J.D. asks you today to ponder this question. Are you on God's side? It's not a matter of whose side is God on. That's the wrong question. He has his own side, his own plan, and is in control of the universe. Go alongside God. Don't expect him to come alongside you. Who are you compared to the Almighty God? Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update on YouTube. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on September 20th, 2020. Today, I want to talk about what really matters now (laughs) with everything that's happening in the world at this, the last moment, the last hour of human history. You know, there's something about a crisis having this much needed effect of really prioritizing what really matters. I want to let you know that we're in the process of launching a new website, and we're really excited about this. It's going to be at jdfarag.org. And at the bottom of the page, you'll see a place where you can enter your email address. Again, as we mentioned, this is because it is pretty much a foregone conclusion that at some point uh, YouTube will censor us or terminate our channel. We've already had some censoring with uh, Facebook. Certainly the, (laughs) the topics we're addressing are such that it really does seem like it'll be just a matter of time. I really believe it's been by the grace of God that we're still on YouTube, so uh, we praise the Lord for that. I want to talk with you today about the dangers of arguing and choosing sides against those with opposing views. As I was seeking the Lord this last week in prayer and fasting, about the arguing, the fighting amongst Christians, especially on social media, well actually exclusively on social media, God really ministered to me. He settled my heart and today I just want to share my heart. I'm not going to yell, not today anyway, (laughs) I've done enough yelling. I'll try not to cry. I know that uh, yelling and crying can uh, make people feel awkward and uncomfortable, so I'm asking the Lord for help on that. But I would be uh, dishonest at, at worst, disingenuous at best, if I didn't confess to you that I am very heartbroken 
and my heart is really grieved. You know, I think about when our boys were young and close in age, and they used to fight all the time. And it just broke my heart and would tear me apart. And it's kind of like, how, how about our Heavenly Father? How is His heart broken and His heart grieved? Please know that those with whom I disagree and or disagree with me have agreed to disagree agreeably. And we've done so for the sake of unity. Let me hasten to say that this is not to say that we agree with false teachings or false teachers under the banner of unity. Rather, it is to say that when it comes to the essentials and fundamentals of the faith concerning salvation, we're in agreement. I think you would agree that Christians today are fighting over everything and anything that really have nothing to do with salvation. Example, the upcoming U.S. presidential elections, this manufactured COVID-19 pandemic. Again, I'm not saying there's not a virus. I am saying there is not a pandemic. How about this one? Black Lives Matter. And if that weren't enough, more recently, the Abraham Accords, which I will address shortly. You name it, and there are those who are fighting about it. And make no mistake about it, it is dividing, devouring, and God forbid destroying the church of Jesus Christ. As such, Satan couldn't be happier now that he's got Christians doing his dirty work for him and instead of him. What if I told you that Satan can actually take a born-again believer, not possess, you cannot be demon-possessed, but you can be demon-oppressed, and Satan can use a Christian to do his job for him. Second Timothy chapter 2. I want to read verse 16 and verses 23 through 26, the Apostle Paul writing. Listen to this. He says, avoid godless chatter, because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. I love that. In Proverbs, depending on the translation you have, I think it's Proverbs 12.1. I quote it often. Those who don't receive instruction are not teachable. 
They're stupid. It's right there in the Bible. It's biblical. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. Why? Because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, teachable, teachable, not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and, listen, escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will his job, his bidding, to carry it out as a Christian. What is Satan's will? John's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus answers this for us. He says, the thief, speaking of the enemy, does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life, and that they may have it more abundantly. Interesting. So Satan's will, his bidding, is to steal and to kill and to destroy. He's been met with a measure of success. He is robbing the church of its joy. And as Nehemiah 8.11 says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And in stealing our joy, he has also stolen our strength. And he's killing the credibility, the integrity, the witness, And ultimately his goal, his aim, is to destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that you may have life, and life more abundantly. This is textbook. It's right out of the devil's playbook, such that it's evil. And evil, E-V-I-L, is live, L-I-V-E, backwards. Devil, D-E-V-I-L, is lived, L-I-V-E-D, backwards. Devil, diabolos, diametrically opposed, reversed. Why do I point that out? Because it's backwards. And this is why we've got it all backwards. It's not whose side am I on, or even whose side is God on. Rather, it's are we on God's side? Join me in the book of Joshua, chapter 5. I want to read verses 13 through 15. 
And it came to pass, when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, and this is the Lord, by the way, and we're going to see why here in a moment. So he says to the Lord, are you for us or for our adversaries? In other words, are, are you on our side or on their side? Answer, no. Wait, what? That wasn't a yes or no question. <laughs> it was more like multiple choice. Are you, because we're choosing sides here, are you on their side or on our side? And the Lord basically says, neither. Joshua, the question's wrong. And if the question is wrong, you cannot provide a right answer to a wrong question. Let's get the question right first. It's not whose side am I on. (laughs) So what is his answer? He says, no, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? Hang on to that. I want to come back to that in a moment. That's why we know it's the Lord. If it was an angel, an angel would never accept worship. We see that in Scripture. This is the Lord. That's why he bows down and worships the Lord. This is a pre-Bethlehem appearance of Jesus the Christ. And he realizes it. And he falls down on his face. And he just worships him. And he asks him, what does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take your sandal off. Take your sandal off your foot for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Every single one of us, like Joshua, should ask the question of, what does my Lord say to his servant? That's the problem. What do you mean? Well, the problem is that we're not listening to what the Lord has to say. Rather, we're listening to what the so-called prophecy experts have to say. Then, when these so-called experts, by the way, if you can't tell, I don't like that, or being referred to as an expert, But when the so-called experts aren't saying the same thing, then we get confused and we demand to know who's right and who's wrong. 
Here's the thing. This is actually a good thing. It's even a God thing. And I'll explain why. This can have the much needed effect of getting us to search the Scriptures for ourselves to see if this be true, like the Bereans, who were more noble than the Thessalonians, were told in Acts. God is a jealous God, not of us, for us. And, well, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. Let me stay on message here. This is why I am careful when I veer off from my notes. It's then, and only then, when we search the Scriptures for ourselves, that we'll hear what the Lord has to say on the matter. And what the Lord has to say on the matter is, love one another, don't fight with one another. John's Gospel, chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And then he says this, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Do you think that Satan doesn't know this verse? So let me see if I got this straight. If it's by our love one for another, they're going to know that we're his disciples, then wouldn't it stand to reason conversely that by our backbiting and arguing and fighting and destroying and devouring one another? Okay, I'm yelling. (sighs) No wonder. No wonder. The world's looking at us as Christians. And instead of saying as they did of the early church, my how they love one another, instead they say, my how they fight with one another. Like I need that. Galatians chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I want to read verses 10 through 17. This passage and the one after it in chapter 3 could be written today concerning the church. The Apostle Paul says, verse 10, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, I'm pleading with you, I'm begging you, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, (laughs) that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers and sisters, 
Some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. I I, I applaud Chloe. You know, this is before social media. Otherwise, how would Paul know what was really going on in the church? So what were the fights about? What were the arguments concerning? What were the quarrels about? Well, we have the answer, verse 12. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas. Still another, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius. So no one can say that you were baptized in my name. Yeah, you know who baptized me? The Apostle Paul. No way. Way. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanas. Beyond that, I don't remember if I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. And then he says this, Not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. In other words, when I preach the gospel, I don't do so in my own power, my own wisdom. I don't do so persuasively with eloquence, so that when I preach, you're going, wow, what an orator. Chapter 3, 1 Corinthians, verses 1 through 7. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. The writer of Hebrews echoes this when he talks about this dynamic of spiritual immaturity. You should be mature by now. You should be eating meat, but you're not. Instead, you're still on milk. You never matured spiritually. You're still worldly. That's what he's saying here. He says, verse 3, you are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? What, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? (laughs) Only servants through whom you came to believe. The Bible, though written long ago, is inspired by our Creator. God chose to speak His truth through ordinary men, but these men had their eyes fixed on their Heavenly Father. Their words hold a great deal of meaning for us in our world today, and maybe more so in the times we're in. 
Much of the activity of this world is mirrored in the pages of the Bible and is pointing to a new era that we need to be aware of. In Pastor J.D.'s weekly Mideast Prophecy Updates, he's been searching the scriptures and the news headlines and sharing with us what he's found. You can access these updates by heading to InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and clicking on the YouTube link. Jesus will be returning to the earth soon to judge the evil that has been destroying it. And that return, friends, is drawing closer with each new day. Pastor J.D. tells us through these updates each week where we are in relation to Bible prophecy and how close our Savior's return just might be. No one knows the day or the hour this incredible event will take place, but we know from the Bible that we've been told what to expect in the moments leading up to this event. If we adopt a sense of anticipation in our daily walk with Jesus, we'll also gain with it an urgency to share the gospel message with the world around us. We're called to unashamedly boast about our Savior and plant the seed of hope which Jesus promises to water. Share Jesus with someone today and join us for another edition of the Mideast Prophecy Update right here on In Spirit and Truth.